The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We're having technical difficulties with the internet. Playing this song by Kim Walker. Jesus paid it all and it's decided it's going to not continue playing. So we're going to go immediately into the word of God. The message you got was very clear. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all on Calvary. He paid for your sin and for mine. But let's not be deceived. He did not pay for your sin if you continue to walk in it. He only paid for the sin if you were willing to repent and cut off the world, the flesh, and the devil. I have no adequate words to describe the horror of my heart towards sin. I'm going to read a passage of scripture for you out of Genesis, the sixth chapter, before we go to our study and the fifth chapter of Romans. Now it came about, Genesis 6, when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because He also is flesh, and nevertheless his day shall be one hundred and twenty years. No, up until that time they were living for eight hundred years, nine hundred years. You can have a lot of children in nine hundred years. The earth was fully populated. Millions of people lived on the face of the earth. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came to the daughters of men, they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old and of renown. I would add the Greek legends, the Egyptian legends, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land from man to animals to creeping things, the birds of the sky, for I'm sorry I've made them. 
But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And he, of course, built the ark. The earth had become utterly corrupt. That word in the Hebrew is talking about a person becoming like a bowl of fruit that has become utterly rotten, filled with maggots and flies. That's what the word corrupt means in the Hebrew. The Lord was saying man has become rotten through and through. And it grieved God's heart. And now the angels have come and they have had daughters with men. Nephilim. Giants. And the wickedness was so great upon the face of the earth that the heart was only evil continually. We have come again to that place where the heart of man is so filled with violence and wickedness that the desire is constantly for self and for pleasure and for indulgence, for power, for possessions. Man has become once more utterly corrupt. And so God took them away in the flood. But after the flood, very quickly, they once more began to rebuild the wickedness, the witchcraft. That's what happened at the Tower of Babel. The ziggurat. And off we go to the races again. We have, I have, an inadequate sense of how utterly evil sin is. And we have taken it very casually. Oh, Jesus paid it all at the cross, so we're good to go. No, we're not. Things happen when we begin to sin against God. Evil things begin to happen. Let me read it for you. In Romans, the first chapter, three times God says, for this reason God handed them over to the lusts of their heart, to moral uncleanness, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Verse 26, God handed them over to uncontrolled sexual passions of dishonor. Even their women exchanged the natural sexual sexual use into that contrary to nature. And in like manner also men have left the natural sexual use of the female. They are now burning with raging sexual cravings for one another, men with men, working shamelessly and receiving back in themselves the penalty which was due their deception. Now, our culture says homosexuality is fine. Transgenderism is fine. God says it's utterly evil and utterly wicked and totally unacceptable and is come as a judgment 
against the wickedness of our age. Verse 28, And they did not approve to have God in true knowledge. God handed them over to a reprobate mind to do the things that ought not to be done, having been filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, coveting, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, evil speakers, God-haters, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless. All of these things listed are because God gave the sinner over that the fullness of his sin might be seen. God has given some of you listening to this broadcast today, he's given you over. And you're walking in drug addiction, alcoholism, sexual uncleanness. You're walking in foolishness. You're unmerciful, you're unforgiving, you're bitter, you're angry. I spoke with a wife last night became so enraged at her husband for some foolish little thing that she cussed him out. She cursed him and then wouldn't talk to him. Why? Because God has given over her wicked heart and she's in grave danger of the judgment of God. And of course, he responds with all of his self-defense, which again is just wickedness. We have such violence against one another, such defensiveness. I know I've been many times very defensive in my life. I'm not anymore. I have utterly renounced defensiveness. I have no defense except Jesus Christ. I rise or fall on what Jesus says about me. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter how they judge me. It matters to me only how Jesus judges me. Because I know that sin brings wrath, and wrath brings destruction. To sin is to fall from holiness. Death is a fall from holiness. Listen. This is Romans 2, verse 3. And do you suppose this, O man, that the one judging the practices such things and doing them, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you look down on the riches of his kindness and the forbearance of the long-suffering, ignoring the kindness of God that leads you to repentance? And many of you listening to this broadcast have looked down upon the kindness of God to you. And you've continued to be casual about your sin. You've said, you know, I can 
I'm a good person. I can do whatever I want to do. I can buy what I want to buy. I can go where I want to go. I can say what I want to say. I can eat what I want to eat. I'm in charge of my life. Are you? Then you're a sinner. A Christian is not in charge of his own life, and he cannot go where he wants to go or buy what he wants to buy. I mean, what would you think if I said, you know, I'm tired of the car I have. It belonged to my granddaughter before me, and she scraped one side of the car, the passenger side, against a a telephone post. So it's not very pretty. (laughs) There's some rust popping up on it. Should I go buy a new car? I could go in a dealership and put down a sum of money and say, okay, I'll make monthly payments. It would be a lot more enjoyable to drive a new car, a pretty car. No, I won't do that. Because I don't get to buy what I want to buy or go where I want to go. I'm a man under orders. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a man or a woman under orders. And so long as you think you have the right to go where you want to go and do what you want to do, you are walking in sin and rebellion against the Most High God. And he did not pay the price for you to walk that way. Verse 5, but according to your hardness and impenitent heart, you are heaping up wrath for yourself in a day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment from God, who will give back to each man according to his works. Don't tell me that Jesus covered your sin, and when and when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. It doesn't say that anywhere in the scriptures. The scriptures say that you're going to receive back according to what you have done. Well, pastor, the gospel is that that I'm covered and I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven and God doesn't look at my sin. You've been deceived by the devil and by false prophets and false teachers. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I know that we must take very seriously this question of sin. Sin will cause us to die. One sin, the scriptures say, well, let me read it for you. Romans, the fifth chapter, verse 12. On this account, just as through one man, Sin entered into the world, and death through that sin. And so the death passed through to all conceivable men, because all conceivable men sinned. One sin. One sin. And Adam was condemned to death. Romans 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of grace from God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been freed from sin if we're followers of Jesus, but I'm tragically upset in my heart today because most of you listening to this broadcast have not prayed through to victory in Jesus. You're not fixed up. You're not You're not clean with Jesus. You're still watching your television. You're still feasting on darkness. You're still walking in the sexual uncleanness of your heart, in the vain imaginations, and you still still think you're saved. We need to get serious with God about sin, because believe me, God is serious with you about your sin. And he knows that he cannot bring you into the heavenly realm. He cannot make you holy when you die. You are either holy now in the present, or when you die, you will be assigned a place with the sinners. This is reality. Now, you can say, but pastor, that's not what I'm taught. That's not what I read. I know. But on that day, you will have no excuse because you've listened to this broadcast. And you know that I'm right. That sin will take you to hell. And you've been very casual about that. You're not a part of a regular holiness congregation where you're constantly given the arrows of the Holy Spirit to pierce your heart, to draw you to Jesus. Instead, you're constantly told you're fine, you're okay, you're on your way to heaven, you listen to this radio broadcast or you listen to this broadcast and they give you these wonderful words of encouragement and they pat you on the head and they say, oh, you're saved. You you repented of your sin and you can't lose your salvation. Liar, liar, liar. Your pants are on fire. It's just not true. According to the word of God. It's not, not according to Ray Greenlee. It's according to the word of God. So we continue reading. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over the ones not having sinned according to the transgression of Adam. That is, they've not broken any known law, but they still die because they're still sinners. But the gift of redemption is not as the sin. For if many died by the sin of the one man, much more, the grace of God, and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded with reference to the many. In fact, the gift is not the same with the one having sinned. For in the one hand, the judgment was because of the one sin resulting in a death sentence. On the other hand, the gift of redemption was because of many sins resulting in removal. In other words, death came upon all men because of Adam's one sin. 
and they all followed suit. They were born after the likeness of Adam and Eve, and they sinned. You will not be judged because of Adam's sin. You will be judged because of your own sin. But now is the time to leave all your sin. The blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary makes it possible for you to leave all of your sin and to walk in victory in Jesus Christ. Accordingly then, as through one man's sin resulting in a death sentence against all conceivable men, I mean, you recognize that millions of people died when that great Noah flood came upon the earth. Likewise, millions of people are going to die when Jesus comes back and he splits the sky open. And many say, well, we'll ascend into the heavens with Jesus. No, not if you're a sinner. No sinner will ascend into the heavens with Jesus. So also through one man's righteous act, resulting in righteousness of life for all conceivable men, for just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also by the obedience of the one man many will be made righteous. But if you are not made righteous, if you still walk in rebellion and anger and bitterness, if you still walk in sexual uncleanness, if you still walk in the lust and self-indulgence of this world, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You will be lost. Verse 20, but the law entered with the result that sin may be multiplied. But where the sin multiplied, the grace superabounded to overflowing, that even as sin reigned in the sphere of death, so also the grace may reign by means of righteousness, resulting in life eternal by Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to notice something. It does not say, so also the grace may reign by imputed righteousness. It doesn't say that. It says, so also the grace may reign by the means of righteousness. That is real righteousness, a total change of the life. And some of you may say, but pastor, pastor, I've tried to do what is right and I just couldn't do it. I have done the best I could do. That's all I can do. No, it's not. As we read into chapter 6 in the coming days, you're going to see very clearly that there is another path that you can follow. And that path is a total crucifixion with Jesus Christ. You're not going to be saved and be comfortable in this world. You're not going to be saved from sin and walk in arrogance and pride before Almighty God. You're not going to be able to spend the money you want to spend 
on your self-indulgence. You're not going to be able to go where you want to go and do what you want to do because a man or a woman who comes to Jesus Christ becomes a doulos slave of Jesus. Doulos in the Greek means without right of property, without right of family, totally sold to the master. That is the condition of becoming a Christian, totally sold to Jesus Christ. That's why over here in Romans, I'll read it for you. Romans 12, I summon you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God. That is, to lay your body on the altar of burnt offering. Your life, as you have known it in this world, is over. You are now going to be washed clean, You're now going to be consumed by God. And Paul says this is your spiritual service. Not to conform yourselves with this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. In other words, you and I must totally die to self and give up everything of this world. The luxury of this world. The indulgence of this world. The pride The pride of ownership, the pride of superiority, the pride of being smarter than somebody else and having a better job than somebody else. The uncleanness, the lusting after the things of darkness. This person who comes to Jesus is made into a new creature. And their spiritual act of worship is to be a living martyr before Jesus Christ on that altar of burnt offering and to stay there, to remain. This is our spiritual act of worship. Going to church is not your spiritual act of worship. It's part of it. Reading the Bible is not your spiritual act of worship. It's part of it. Fasting is not your spiritual act of worship. It's part of it. Your true spiritual act of worship is a total surrender and submission to the rulership of Jesus Christ over your life, over your emotions, over every relationship, over every friendship. Jesus will rule over you. If he doesn't, you will not enter into the kingdom above.
Remember, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember, he said that it would be a groaning gate, a suffering gate, a narrow path. The churches of today are all built on the broad highway. And everybody is happy. They can do what they want to do. They can go where they want to go. They can go to the concerts they want to hold. They can do all of their entertainment. They're on their way to heaven. No, they're not. No, they're not. They've been deceived. Do not conform yourselves with this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and well-pleasing and the perfect will of God. I talk with people and they say, Pastor, how do I know what the will of God is? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I do this? Should I do that? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That question is premature. There's a much more serious question. And that question is, have you laid your life on the altar of burnt offering? Have you utterly, totally given yourself up to God? And once you're totally given up to God, every decision is easy after that. It's very plain. The Holy Spirit will make it very plain to you. I hear people say, well, God doesn't talk to me. Well, do you know why God doesn't talk to you? Because you're not on that altar of burnt offering. You still are in charge of your life. In some areas, in some degree, you're still the boss of your heart and your life. All of that has to be given up. Accordingly then, as through one man's sin resulting in a death sentence against all conceivable men, so also through one man's righteous act, resulting in righteousness of life for all conceivable men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. You were made a sinner, not by your choice, but by your birth. And then you made choices based on that birth and the inclinations of your heart. And you too became a sinner. So also by the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. But the law entered with the result that sin may be multiplied. But where the sin multiplied, the grace superabounded to overflowing that even as sin reigned in the sphere of death, so also the grace may reign by means of righteousness resulting in life eternal by Jesus Christ our Lord. What then shall we say? Let's be plain. Paul's going to say now exactly what he means. What then shall we say? Continue in sin? so that grace may become more and more? Certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it any longer? 
Or are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Really, we were buried together with him by means of the baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in the newness of life. Today I'm coming to you with a very serious countenance. You have been given the right and the power to lay your life on that altar of burnt offering and to leave all of your sin. And there is absolutely no excuse for continuing to walk in sin except you want to walk in it. And the wages of sin is the same now as it was for Adam and Eve. It is death. Death has passed upon all human beings. This flesh body I dwell in cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so at some point, I'm going to lay this body down and it will be buried. Or I'm going to be taken out of this body and given a new body, a heavenly body. This body is consigned to the dust heap. We came from the dust. We're going back to the dust. But now where we go after that is totally in our control and in our hands. To live eternally with Jesus Christ. Or to go to hell. And I'm very concerned for some of you today who have been going through great tribulation. You have incredible physical pain. You have nerves that are damaged. Or in some other way, physically, you have been handicapped. And you are suffering. And you're saying, where is God? Why am I suffering this way? I can only answer your suffering this way because we live on a prison planet where Satan still rules. But I'll tell you the way out of that pain. It's to lay your life down on that altar of burnt offering and totally renounce yourself. And ask Jesus to remove the pain from your body. I want to pray today for some of you. First, I want to pray for those of you who have been deceived by the modern teachers. Who have not taken sin seriously. You've said Jesus paid it all. I'm covered, I'm good to go, but you're not good to go at all. You're still walking in your wickedness. You're still walking in charge of your own life. You're still walking under the power of the devil. 
I want to pray for you. And then I want to pray for the sick. I want to pray for those who are suffering immense pain. And I want to ask Jesus to deliver you. Lord, I come today by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. I know there is no name like the name of Jesus. I know your name, Jesus, is all-powerful. It's almighty. And Lord, there are men and women listening to this broadcast today who have tried the best they can to live a righteous life, and they've been unable to. Because they somehow thought they could still keep control of their life. They could slouch back into the modern church's teaching that you're saved, you can't be lost. They've slouched back into the modern teaching of the church that that you can never stop sinning. And they've been deceived. I'm asking that this veil would be removed from their eyes today, right now. And I'm asking that you would begin to pour out a spirit of great conviction that men and women could clearly see how they stand before a righteous and holy God and that they could see how undone they are and how grave the danger is of their being cast into the pit. Lord, I plead today your mercy for your people. They've been honestly deceived. And many have liked that deception because it has allowed them to control their own hearts and their own lives and still consider themselves heaven-bound. And I'm asking, Lord, would you uncover that wickedness in their hearts? And would you turn them to weeping and conviction of sin And Lord, some are saying, Pastor, I don't know if I believe you or not. Lord, would you call them to read the scripture? To read the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. Lord, would you give them understanding of these things? Lord, cause them to read the fifth chapter of Romans. Cause them to begin to understand the terrifying position that they are standing in as they falsely believe they have a hope when they have no hope, when they're hell-bound. Lord, would you come? Lord, I'm so, I'm so angered by false teachers who say, just come to Jesus and repent from your sin, and you're saved and you're good to go, and you'll never be able to live, leave all of your sin. You're, you're going to have to just live this way. The devil's going to ravage you, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. You're saved. Lord, forgive them. And I pray your wrath will be plainly seen in the American church and the deception will be totally broken. And men and women will repent and turn and get right with you. Now, Lord, I pray. I pray for those men and women who are suffering in their bodies. 
I know there are many. Many who are sick today with COVID or with a cold, with flu. But even more seriously than these, many who are suffering constant pain in their body to the point they don't know how they can continue one more day. I have to check first, Lord, and say, are they utterly given over to you, Jesus? Have they laid their sick, pained bodies on that altar of burnt offering? And are they resolutely committed to you, Jesus? I pray, Lord, that you will bring to those painful bodies right now, Lord, as I lift up my hands. I command that sickness, that pain to go now in the name of Jesus. And I speak your healing into their bodies. I bind that anguished pain that has so troubled them. I bind it in the name of Jesus and ask for total healing, total restoration, that they could serve you, Jesus, in the work of the gospel, in the work of the kingdom. Almighty God, I plead now for those who walk in pain. I ask, would you send forth your healing Right now, as I pray, would you send forth your healing in the name of Jesus Christ? I stand by faith. It is done by the power of your blood, by the power of your name, Jesus. I speak your name over these ones who are so filled with pain. I speak your name over them. And I rebuke this pain and anguish and say, Be gone now in the name of Jesus. And then, Lord, there are some who are sick with the flu, with hacking and colds. Lord, would you cause healing to flow over your people? But first, would you ask each one the question, are you a living martyr laying on that altar of burnt offering? Have you made that covenant with me? And Lord, call them to that covenant now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, there are some who are financially devastated and they don't know how they're going to survive. But you said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and all of these things would be added unto you. I ask now in the name of Jesus for provision for every family and every person who is utterly given over to you, Jesus. Would you open the window of heaven to those who have been faithful before you in their tithes and in their offerings, Would you open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing 
that they cannot contain the blessing that is being poured out upon them. And Lord, I particularly want to thank you for those men and women who have faithfully, month by month, given to this radio broadcast. For it is those men and women who are doing the work of the gospel with me, who have partnered with me. Lord, I thank you, and you know what their needs are today. I ask that you would meet the cry of their heart and the need of their heart. Whether it's for healing or for finances or healed relationships, Lord, whatever the need is, would you meet them because they have been faithful before you in the giving of their tithes and their offerings for the work of the gospel, your gospel, Jesus Christ. And I thank you. And I lift up your name. Lord, there are some who are emotionally devastated. They've lost a loved one or they feel like they're going crazy. Or they are afflicted. Lord, I ask that you would give them now that clear and peaceful mind. I rebuke all mental sickness. I rebuke fear and depression in the name of Jesus Christ. There is a total, super abounding grace in you, Jesus Christ. And I plead it for each one of these that I have prayed for today. I ask for that super abounding grace. Lord, some who listen to this broadcast have asked you to give them a spouse, a husband, or a wife. Some have asked you to give them children. Lord, I pray that you will hear their cry now and that you will answer them and that you will sovereignly work in their hearts and in their lives and show them what you want them to do, and where you want them to go. And Lord, I can't finish this time of prayer without asking for the salvation of those men and women that I've been speaking about and speaking to. Yusuf and Inga, Tony, and many others that I've been speaking to about the gospel, that I've been living righteous before. I ask for healing in their minds, their bodies, and their spirits. I ask for the salvation of those that we've been crying out for. I ask that you would send forth your spirit and turn them from their sin, from their wicked ways. And I ask that you would build up the National Prayer Chapel. And I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me know what Jesus has done for you. Share your testimony, please. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. 
46, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also invite you, urge you, come and join together with us on a Sunday morning in praise and worship, in the study of the word. Our agenda is that of the Holy Spirit. He directs our time. There is no set program. We come together to pray and to search after Jesus. You're welcome to come. We're a very small house church. Just come in, walk in the door, and join us. We start right at 10 a.m., but usually we start prayer 15 minutes before that. So come and pray with us. Go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find directions and the address. Or you can call me directly on my cell phone, 703-489-1785. I've been without a phone now for a number of weeks. I apologize if some of you have tried to call me and you've not been able to get through. This morning, Brother Ed set a new phone up for me. It's going off in the background because we didn't silence it as we should have. I would love to have you come and worship with us. NationalPrayerChapel.com Would you also subscribe to our webpage, NationalPrayerChapel.com The more people subscribe, the better Google spreads the word about who we are. So please, would you subscribe? And would you come on a Sunday morning and worship with us? And then afterward, we have lunch. If you'd like to bring some food, you're welcome. Or just come. We'll have enough food for everybody. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Thank you, each one of you who's helping with tithes and offerings that this radio broadcast could be covered for this month. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.